I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is May 18th, 2023, Anno Domini. Today's top story, a North Dakota DA has dropped murder charges on the man who ran over the conservative team. We're going to get into it next. A new update on Audrey Hale. Turns out that she shot a stained glass image of Adam, the first man. What does that mean? And finally, Wired Magazine going gaga over Pete Buttigieg. What? All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Shannon Brandt of Glenfield was charged with running over and killing Kaylor Ellingson. Brandt was in court this week in Carrington, but his charges have now been reduced from murder to manslaughter. That's according to court documents filed on Monday. The incident happened in September of last year after a street dance in McHenry. Authorities say it first appeared the two men were arguing over politics and that Brandt targeted Ellingson. Brandt also told police that Ellingson was a Republican extremist and that he was afraid that Ellingson was calling people to come and get him. Investigators now say there's no evidence that the case was political, nor was Ellingson a Republican extremist. A probable cause affidavit shows that Brandt left the scene and was visibly intoxicated when authorities caught up with him at his home. His trial is set to begin on May 30th. Are you serious right now? No explanation whatsoever has been given to the American people, to the family of Kaylor Ellingson, to this community, why were the charges dropped? This was a case, remember, President Trump highlighted this case as well, where we were told that this drunk idiot, Shannon Brandt, 42 years old, told police officers, remember, his words to police, that's not a, uh, you know, Jack Posobiec, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, Rav kind of thing. No, 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 no. He told police that this kid was a Republican extremist and part of some group and that he was calling in other people. So Brandt then ran him over with his car. And specifically, the autopsy even held, and I've got to hear from the post-millennial, that Ellingson, I got to collect myself for a moment, Ellingson was not killed when he was struck with the car. He was specifically killed when he was run over by Shannon Brandt. He was originally charged with murder. This happened last September. However, according to the AP, Foster County State Attorney Kara Brinster decided to reduce the charges from murder down to manslaughter. And that it wasn't even part of a plea deal. I said, okay, well, did he take a plea deal? Right, that, that is something that takes place sometimes where someone will take a plea deal and they'll say, okay, we'll make an agreement, which I also don't think they should do here. In any case, you should not bring this as a plea deal. No deals, no deals with this guy. 
murdered a teenager for being a conservative Republican, we're told. And instead, you get the charges reduced? No, ain't good enough. Not good enough. Not when we see what's happening down in Texas with Daniel Perry. Not when we see what's happening in New York City. This is the this is the opposite right here. This this shows you this is why conservatives lose. This is why conservatives lose. Because even in a place like North Dakota, they'll take a situation where the some guy will murder a conservative teenager and they won't even charge him with murder. They won't even, they'll reduce the charges without even getting a plea deal. You know, because they'll say, well, in the interest of fairness, in the interest of being balanced, are you kidding me? This is insane. And so here's what we're going to do. And I want to, I want to instruct producer Russ to put this up on screen. There's a picture that I posted to Twitter earlier that I pulled from the LinkedIn. Okay. This is not a photo that I, you know, chose separately or Something else. This is a photo from LinkedIn of Kara Brinster, the North Dakota state's attorney. So I want everyone to give a phone call to Kara Brinster. And if you can't call her today, then you call her tomorrow. And if she doesn't answer tomorrow, then you try back on Monday, then on Tuesday, then on Wednesday, then on Thursday, then on Friday again. Because we need answers, Kara Brinster, North Dakota state's attorney. Why did you drop Sharon Brandt's murder charges? 701-652-1270. I'm going to read it again. 701-652-1270. Can we get that like flashing on the screen? Can we get that? Can we get it up, boys? Because I need to know, Kara. I need to know. Why did you reduce the charges? Take it to trial. Let a jury see this. Because there's no video of this. We only have his word against the fact of the dead body that's there. And his word is, well, I didn't mean to hit. Of course, he's going to say that. Of course, his lawyer is going to say he didn't mean to hit him. Of course, they're going to do everything they can to walk back everything. The autopsy says, the autopsy specifically says that he, this, that he was killed because he was run over. You don't accidentally run somebody over. I can understand a hit and run. I can understand that because hit and run. I can't. They're tragic. They're horrible. But I can understand it. Not saying I agree with it. Not saying I condone it. But I can understand it. I can see it happening. But you hit someone and you run them over and kill them in the process and then flee the scene as we knew took place here. Nah, man. No. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. You need to put this to a jury and you need to put that charge back on right now. And if not, then maybe Kara Brinster should be prosecuted. Maybe we should look into her. Maybe we should have the North Dakota legislator see what's going on with Kara Brinster, North Dakota state's attorney. Find out what kind of money is going in to her law firm because something don't smell right in Foster County and human events is gonna get to the bottom of it. Folks, I wanna remind you about our friends over at Allegiance Gold. You can now get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithposo.com. Now remember, we cannot control the Biden administration. We can't control Biden inflation. We can't stop them from launching these wars all over the world. The spending, the printing that's going on by our Federal Reserve, it's completely irresponsible. And yet, doesn't seem to be anything we can do to stop them because you can't. And when it seems like 
the whole world is spiraling out of control on a regular basis. The only thing we can do is control that which is directly within our reach, which is directly at in front of our view. That's our families, that's our houses, that's our employment. Put your family on a path to financial stability. That's why you can go to Allegiance Gold at protectwithposo.com right now. Find out how to get started. Dominant school is fighting for a say in how much of the shooter's writings are released. Court filings show they're trying to keep some of Audrey Hale's journals in entries entirely confidential. Our Michael Warwick tells us why. Tonight, court filings show the Covenant School is against the release of parts of Audrey Hale's journal writings, specifically building designs and private information about school employees. Nobody needs to see that. That's not information we need to get out. And then two, we have to be very sensitive uh, to the families. We just simply want to be able to get an insight into this person who committed this horrific act. Representative Jason Zachary is one of more than 60 House Republicans who signed a letter Monday urging Metro Police Chief John Drake to release Hale's motivation for the attack. We need to be able to see what's in that manifesto that could maybe provide some insight as we gather information, as we prepare for special sessions, we work on legislation, we need all the facts and all the data available to us. Attorneys for the Covenant School filed two motions against the groups demanding the release of the writings, saying school designs and employee information could jeopardize security and privacy. Well, so we've got a couple of new updates on Audrey Hale. First and foremost, Audrey Hale in hell update. This just in, Audrey Hale has now been burning in hell for 52 days because of her actions. 66 state legislators in Nashville uh, out of Tennessee have come out and now supported a letter to the city demanding the release of the Tranifesto. It must be out and it needs to be out. But over at nationalreview.com, and I know, I know, we don't usually like to cite National Review around here, but there is something with direct information in it that I happen to see this morning. It's, it's by Graham Hilliard, and it's a Christian perspective on the Covenant, uh, the Covenant School Massacre. Just came out in the May 15th issue of the National Review. Listen to this. On the morning of March 27th, a transgender woman named Audrey Hale shot her way into the Christian elementary school that employs my wife and educates my children. So the author's wife and children were both there that day. His wife was working, his kids go to school there. The rampage that followed left seven dead, including the shooter and has been duly chronicled, interpreted, and mourned both here in Nashville and across the nation. Despite the fact that no one in my family was physically harmed, or perhaps because of it, I at first decided not to write about the massacre. By the way, thank God. Thank God that his family was okay. But what changed in my mind was an unreported detail, confirmed privately by both police and a church deacon in charge of the physical plant. So you've now got new information that's going to be given to us here in this report. At some point during her spree, Audrey Hale went from the school to the attached neo-Gothic cathedral and fired seven bullets, seven bullets, into a stained glass figure of Adam, the first man, according to the Genesis narrative. A writer may try for a while to resist such a symbol, 
but as the existence of this article proves, is unlikely to prevail in the end. Did you know, we had, this is the first time, as far as I know, this is the first time that's ever been reported anywhere, that Audrey Hale, at one point during the shooting, paused and took a detour to go and fire seven bullets into a stained glass figure of Adam, the first man. The symbology and iconography are towering in a situation like this because you've got Audrey Hale, a woman, a biological woman who is mentally ill, a deranged psychopath who wanted to become a man. Now here's Adam, the first created man, but created not by himself, created by God. Because Audrey Hale wanted, essentially, to commit an act of creation herself. She wanted to recreate herself as a man. And yet frustrated because humans do not have this power to recreate our own bodies. Women can create life, this is true, but we cannot recreate that which has already been created. There is but one creator. And so that image of Adam, now I don't know what the layout of the covenant school is there, so I don't know if there's, a, if there's an Eve figure that's, that's next to Adam here, we don't know. Um, sometimes they're depicted together, not always. Like, for example, the Sistine Chapel only shows Adam, it doesn't depict Eve. But that singular act of creation, God creating Adam, was what Audrey Hale chose to destroy. And in that same way, Audrey Hale chose to destroy herself and chose to kill six people, including three children, Christian children at that school. When you consider the implications of this, it's staggering. But I do also have to point out, if this were a Muslim school, and at some point the shooter had decided to destroy an image of Muhammad or some other Islamic symbol, we'd all call it exactly what it was. And you'd have lawmakers, you'd have activists, you'd have protesters outside the school, outside the city, demanding the release of that Tranifesto. And the fact is, conservatives are still asleep at the wheel when it comes to this situation. Now, I pray for Mr. Hilliard and his family and all the other families there. I do. But here's the thing, folks. How many of us send our kids to Christian schools? How many of us? Are you willing for your children to be targeted by this insane group or any insane group going forward? Where's the FBI? Where's the task forces? Where's the informants? Where's the, uh, you know, the guys slipping into the group chats, going into Reddit? You see what they do when, look, look at the Whitmer case. They created a group. They created an entire operation up in Michigan to go after a bunch of guys that just wanted to go shoot guns in the woods. But when you have cases like this, no response. No response whatsoever. Why? Because our government is compromised. It's compromised at the national level 
and in many cases, like we just saw in North Dakota, compromise at the state level. And once you understand that and fully understand that your government has been subverted, then you can start to figure out how to push forward. What did we see in the Durham report? A subverted, compromised government initiating a pathogen response to someone who was not of their cloth, someone who wasn't part of the uniparty duopoly, someone who was trying to actually enact real change in the United States. It's all the way our government acted then. We have a compromised government, and that's the way we need to proceed. All right, so when we do the show every morning, take a look out there, scan the waterfront, scan the horizon, get up off of my my pillow, all right, finish my good night's sleep. But you know, there's stories sometimes that we're working on, and you know, I've got an exclusive, or we're checking the updates on something with the Audrey Hale case. And then I see this thing in Wired.com about Pete Buttigieg. I said, oh, that's an interesting story. Let's see what they got there. I look into it and I said, are you kidding me? I thought it was a Babylon B piece. I, this was one of those ones where I'm telling you, I was on the phone with somebody and I said, this is, this is a joke, right? This isn't a real article. I said, no, it's a real article. This is, so Wired.com did a sit down by the Virginia Heffernan did a sit down with Pete Buttigieg and oh my goodness, this is one of the most over the top, insane, thirsty, it's, it's beyond puff piece. I mean, this thing is like, is like they're act like the writer is actually in love with him actually. And it reads like this reads like a bad Twilight fan fiction. Listen to this. From Virginia Heffernan. Pete Buttigieg loves God, beer, and his electric Mustang. Sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges, but infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. So this is when they take the wine moms of the world and make them completely obsessed over a guy like Pete Buttigieg, because there's something about Buttigieg who is, of course, a gay man. He's married to another gay man named Chaston. They have children together. And uh, there's something about gay men that attracts the wine mom like none other, because that's how people like Virginia Heffernan wish all men would be. They're not toxic men. They're in touch with their feminine side. And and before you think I'm going off here on here, let me let me just continue. And has, has to be a liberal gay man, by the way. It has to be a liberal gay man. I'm I'm reading this verbatim. This is Wired.com. This is not the Babylon Bee. I've checked this ten times. The curious mind of Pete Buttigieg holds much of its functionality in reserve, even as he discusses railroads and airlines down to the pointless data that is his current stock and trade. The U.S. Secretary of Transportation comes off like a Mensa black card holder who might have a secret Go habit or a three-second Rubik's Cube solution or a knack for supplying off the top of his head the day of the week or for a random date in 1404, along with non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars as Pete 
Buttigieg and I, Secretary Buttigieg, talked in his under-furnished corner office one afternoon in early spring, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. Other mental facilities, no kidding, are apportioned to the Iliad, Puritan Histiography, and Nalsgaard's Spring, though not in the original Norwegian. Fortunately, he was willing to devote yet another apes in his cathedral mind to making his ideas about three mighty themes, neoliberalism, masculinity, and Christianity, intelligible to me. Because Buttigieg at 44 is an old millennial, because as a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, he got a first, a PPE, that's Philosophy, Politics, and Economics, a trademark degree for Labour Party elites of the Tony Blair era, because he worked optimizing grocery store pricing at McKinsey. Yeah, that's all he did at McKinsey was optimize grocery store pricing. Are you kidding me right now? Optimizing pricing. Do you know what McKinsey does to companies? McKinsey goes in, price fixes like they did with the bread up in Canada. Then they fire everybody that they think they can from a company. And then they downsize it so that the owners of the company can sell it off. That's what McKinsey does. Oh, my gosh. I had to ask him about neoliberalism, the happy idea that consumer markets and liberal democracy will always expand and will always expand together. Oh, yeah. I bet you really want to expand together, don't you, Virginia, with with Pete Buttigieg? You're really thinking of expanding together with Secretary of, uh, of Transportation. I was also fascinated, by the way, that Buttigieg had long described himself as obsessed with technology and data, has responded to the gendering of tech, especially green tech. By the way, have you ever actually... Have you ever actually considered Pete Buttigieg to be particularly knowledgeable on anything when you see him in one of these uh, these interviews that he's done? When you ask him something about, okay, okay, look at his job. Have you ever actually heard him sitting down and talking about transportation from a perspective of any knowledge whatsoever? No, you get these platitudes from him. He's like, well, we're, we're currently working on all the facilities of the verisimilitude of really the anti-establishmentarianism uh, type. He throws around buzzwords all the time rather than actually having any subject matter expertise whatsoever. It's like, you ask me about China, you say, uh, and you say, what's your favorite dynasty? Uh, and I will tell you about the different dynasties. I'll say, what's your favorite member of yeah, the CCP? I say, which era of the CCP? Do you mean Mao's era? Do you mean Deng Xiaoping's era? Do you mean Xi, Jin, uh, Xi Jin, Jinping's era? Which one? Which one is it? Uh, what are the root causes of the of Tiananmen Square? How did you, you just going into any of these, any of the subject matter expertise that you think would be required for any of these topics? So just because he's interested in something or has a book about it somewhere, anywhere, no. When you get down, it, they have this this claptrap about it, basically talking about oh he's he's into queer theory and he's into green theory, uh, green energy. And they have some pictures of him and there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And you don't actually see, you don't actually see anything. This guy's a lightweight. I'm telling you, he, he is an absolute lightweight. But the fact of the matter is that when you read the information, when you read the information that comes out of him, and I'm, I'm looking at it. He's 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 waxing about, uh, you know, about 
uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Vladimir Putin, and LG, LBJ, and FDR, you realize that this guy is, he's an empty suit. He's an empty vessel. All he cares about is himself. All he cares about are, are ambitions. He clearly wants to run for president. And as a, as a white guy from the Midwest, wanting to run for president, right, who happens to be gay, he's found a track by attracting not only uh, the wine moms of the world, like Virginia Heffernan, but he will also take money from anyone. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's like, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, if Jeffrey Epstein were still around, Pete Buttigieg would not have a problem taking money from him. Come at me, Media Matters. You know it's true. He would take money from Silicon Valley. He would take money from a dying woman if he had to, because he doesn't care. Secretary Buttigieg only cares about himself. When you look at Wired.com, you really have to ask yourself, why are they not going the way of Vice and BuzzFeed and Huffington Post? Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.